computer. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome to Monday Night Live. My name is Derek Arden, and today we're going to talk about recruitment, interviewing, picking the right people, the cost of hiring, and uh, what happens when you get it wrong. And I'm delighted to have uh, Sarah Bass with me today, who's uh, been a recruiter for a long time, firstly with, uh, with uh, Office Angels, a big recruitment firm, and now Sarah runs her own practice. Sarah, welcome to Monday Night Live. Thanks so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about you, Sarah, first of all. Thank you, Derek, and thank you for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. Um, about me a little bit. Um, thank you for your kind words and for saying uh, sort of 20 plus years. It's been a few years. Um, I actually um, was born in London and then brought up in the countryside, actually in Hampshire down the road due to my mum remarrying. Um, and then family circumstances when I was in my teens meant that unfortunately we were homeless at, 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 when I was 16 and my brother slightly younger. And Wow. To do my A-levels, I had to stay on and, and rent a room. So between all the family, I stayed on and did my A-levels. So long story short, I, I lived with people who were a little bit older than me and I worked. So I worked to top up my money in hospitality and so on. And then people started going to London um, and there was a draw. I'd been born in London. And then the, the people that I lived with all started to move to London. So I moved with them at like 18. So trying to get work in London, um, I met a person at a party who was talking about that they got a job in recruitment. They were sort of early 20s. And I'd never wanted to be a secretary or, anything, or do any of those sort of things. And it just, when she spoke to me about it, it was like, yes, this is something I, re I just thought, yes. Um, and then I went for a couple of interviews and I had to get some sales experience. That's what I was told, because I was only 18, you know, there was sort of, from the countryside so I went off and did some telesales so long story short I eventually got that job um and then um ultimately did my degree when a little bit later I worked for a couple of agencies and then um joined Office Angels after that and then had 15 years with Office Angels and then decided that um with three children and so on and, and just that draw I wanted to do it for myself there was a gap um, and that kind of brings my career side to this day because recruitment has been uh, the way I've been uh, worked in recruitment was contingency. So no win, no fee. So if you didn't make the placement, you didn't get a fee. Yeah. And I didn't feel that that was right. It didn't set right because it was based on a sales premise. And I truly believe, and, I, and I've kind of proved that to myself, that internal resourcing directly for a company is the best way for a business to recruit. Um, agencies are fantastic and they have their place. But ultimately, I now work on a retained basis as an internal resource on behalf of the businesses that I work with in partnership with and collaboration. Because that as it were the sales part of saying you've got the best candidate in the world and when can you interview and that it's uneven and it's not a proper it's not a good model and I and I and I genuinely feel that it causes issues um uh for for the, the businesses when things especially don't go right um because you're forcing candidates on people 
That so that's me really long story short long career love every minute still love recruitment every single day it has its highs and its lows but I genuinely feel that in this in my in the, the business the sector that I work in that you genuinely do change businesses lives people's lives when you find them a job or when you speak to them at difficult times or you know those times in their life that change um and also you absolutely influence businesses. You can really help businesses to be successful. So having recruited the very first person to some pretty big businesses that grew into pretty big businesses um, or recruited the first team or just gone in and, and helped them stop the constant churn of people coming and going and, and and getting a building a really positive recruitment process um your recruiter under the hr banner is a specialism and um a, a good recruitment consultant someone in your on your side in that sector can i truly believe be really valuable Okay, let's, 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 um, let's cut to the chase for a minute. Recruiters yep. have bad names, don't they? And in fact, I spoke yeah. to a client of mine an hour ago just to mm. ask him for his take on recruitment. And mm. he says there's two problems. Uh, and he's in construction. He employs mm. surveyors, architects, goodness knows what. Mm. Um, when he asks to get someone, they're generally on three months notice. Um, as the as they get to two and a half months having agreed to join his company, the other firm offers them another 10 grand and uh, a car. And suddenly somebody he thought was going to join his firm three months ago isn't. And the other mm -hmm. point he raised with me as well. I mean, uh, obviously, these recruiters have got a bad name rather than someone like you, Sarah, that actually works directly for the for the mm -hmm. firm was that. Um, as soon as the three months is up and they've um, got their uh, got their fees, mm -hmm. they'll be tapping that person up to to go somewhere else mm -hmm. and leave straight away. So that's um, that's a that's a big cost, isn't it? When that sort of thing happens, uh, I think the reality is, yeah, not? I think the reality is though, Derek. I don't think it just happens in contractor level or those levels. I mean, I seem to see businesses at very high CEO level. They're always poaching the people they want mm. um, to another another firm. I mean, most of the the the, the um, senior um, C level people I read about or see in the Times or even speak to, are probably within say the banking sector, have worked for three or four companies. It happens all the time. Mm. But I do agree that you, if you're not, it can be very. It is ruthless. You know, people are very driven. They have their own targets to meet. They're expected to. And I and I think if you're going to work with an organisation of any sort in, you know, uh, in partnership or recruit, take on a recruitment company, you, you kind of need to see in place that they have a, um, uh, a non-approach. They, they do not approach candidates they placed. Um, any candidates who came back to me when I was working for OA had to sign a disclaimer that I had not approached them, that they'd come back to me naturally. They It was just not the done thing. Mm. So, yeah, I totally agree. It can be. It's pretty ruthless. And, I, and you sounds like an, an industry that's very project led. 
It is. Um, but candidates can, you know, I've had candidates who have said to me, oh, yes, I'm taking that job and phoned on the day before they're meant to take it because they've had a better offer. It's on all levels. It's not an easy area to deal with at all. You're dealing with humans and you're dealing with money and humans and 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 you mm. do need to work hard to retain and keep an eye on your staff and have really careful relationships with your recruiters. You've got to have that trust proven, you know, seems, and you've got to yeah. have a... That does seem to be one of the issues, doesn't it, about yeah. trust and relationships and yeah. looking after people. John's Very just asked a question in the chat box I'd like to ask you. Are there any regulations governing recruitment agencies? If um, John's an, an, an accountant, if he's asked to find the right person for a role, can yeah. he charge a fee? Well, I mean, that, that is what it is unregulated uh, recruitment agencies, very similar to um, estate agents. But the REC, the Recruitment Employment Confederation, um, have have ethics, morals, guidance, and you keep to those. If you sign up for the REC, which I am a member of, I'm a, you know, I'm affiliated with, you keep to the codes of conduct and, and the ethics. Under a deco who bought out every every agency I've done, I've worked with, Office Angels, a deco, all the all the reputable ones. Um, have a code of ethics so every month you would have to sign that and equal opportunities that you've read through all of those general terms and you signed that you met those terms it was binding in that way and we were ISO regulated and so on so no it's it, it, it you know reputation is everything and as you said if the, if the company that, that they're, they're dealing with has that sort of reputation don't deal with them you know, and and yeah. before you do deal with a company, go out and get some references on them. Go and get, you know, do your own due diligence. But again, internal, if you have an internal resourcer, they're working on your business's behalf. So the reality is they might well be going off and talking to people working for some of your competitors to try and coax them on board. But basically that resource is working for you, not for 20 other clients. They're working directly for your business and representing you so that can be really advantageous in so, stopping the agencies so sarah tell us how that works then so you're an internal recruiter you obviously work for a number of uh, a number of companies how mm. does your model work that's different from um from a deco or or uh, one of the mm. other reputable ones well some of them you see alexander mann is probably one of the biggest um recruitment outsourcing it's outsourced recruitment. So businesses come to me and they will need uh, recruitment, some recruitment um, done. And so I join their team and their HR team or their hiring managers team, operations. It can be a transformation team. And I will basically bring the tools and the skills um, to their business and enable them to advertise either through me or, or as if it's their business, amplify and interview, engage and interview candidates on their behalf directly for them. So they pay me um, a, a retained rate, a daily rate for a certain set period of time, um, according to the needs. And we talk through that. And then I basically work for them until we've successfully filled the role. 
Um, and obviously I report back on figures and the proof is in what happens. But most cycles of recruitment on a roll run between four weeks and six weeks. And what we do is review. So that's all that it is. It's the same as an agency model in that sense. You know, you advertise the role, you search for candidates is probably the biggest difference because you don't just wait for people to answer the advert. You've got to now in this time, um, that's biggest change, go and find candidates because that's candidates are fed up with applying for jobs and not yeah. hearing anything. Um, so that's what you do. You literally do that work, that job. That's quite difficult for you, though, isn't it? Without, uh, you know, without a great um, stock of people. And does it make a difference if you're do you have to do it in Surrey or can you do it all over the country? Um, well, no, well, no, things have moved on so far. I mean, I've always worked at least UK wide. Um, yeah, everyone from Scotland to Cornwall to Wales, mm. to Kent, all over the country I've recruited for. And that's an amazing thing about being more online now, you know, and things like LinkedIn. And uh, the CV job boards, you can search for candidates. It's really that time consuming aspect of resourcing, which is probably most people would see that as reading through the CVs that they get. You know, when you used to get 100 applicants for a job, you know, reading through all the CVs was time consuming. Well, now you spend the time searching and sending messages to and taking the time to find source the people and see who's a good match and and just look for people and then gently uh, informally but um in a in a positive manner approach them to see if they may be looking and then start sharing the role and using media to share it but we're, we're global now you know i can go on linkedin i can find carl if i want to <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and 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 recruit from anywhere in the world, and that's exactly what resources are doing. You know, some companies have resources that aren't based in the UK, and they're recruiting for UK. You can re resource from anywhere. It's having the skills, and the focus, and the abilities, um, knowing what you're doing, what you're looking for, and really focusing on finding those people. You know, that pipeline, that pool of people for that job. You know, and making sure from your client that you've got a really clear job description, really engaging and and um, yeah, really making the best use of all the all the positive reasons why someone should join a company. You know, their their employee value proposition. You know, why should somebody look at this job? It's not just the job description; it's the company, it's the background, it's the people, and 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 having that conversation with potential candidates that's that's the uh that's the resource that's where you're really focusing so yeah that's what i bring to the table for the business and i truly Fantastic. believe that yeah we were talking about cost weren't we derek yeah. if you get it wrong the cost can be massive and, and there's a lot of fear fear there with understandably you know with hr hiring managers if you ask a hiring manager they probably all got a horror story of when things haven't gone right it can it will cost if you're using an agency especially a lot of money and the rebate period isn't that brilliant on with any agency once you've someone started the invoice is in and you've got to pay it you know they're watertight mm -hmm. um but if you get it right it it's an it's an investment you 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 do reap the rewards 
Um, uh, and, I, and I think with a proper, robust, fair, consistent recruitment procedure, process is process, that you will find the right person. Mm. I know Godfrey, I know Godfrey on the call was employed by a number of companies to check CVs because uh, as mm. a detective I, he found some people mm. that uh, clearly didn't have the qualifications uh, no. that, that that they had now no. how how do you do that Sarah and I'm sure Godfrey will come in in a minute um yes and I totally hear hear what you're saying absolutely um especially with um, high level clearance that some clients have every single <laughs> qualification reference has to be checked and unauthorized you know mm. authenticated um i think you can by being very clear on your recruitment process in other words you will be checked you will can be crb checked whatever the process is for hr credit checked often a lot of companies especially those dealing with financial um, as you said, your qualifications, if you're very clear when you send out the job description, uh, um, how the company will check you, often you will find that candidates may well fall away if they're not going to meet those criteria. Um, I, can, I can understand there are people who are really brazen, but if you reinforce that through the process and start checking and ask them for these, often you'll find that people... Yeah. leave the process i'm curious godfrey what area was it that you found the most fraud in or was it everywhere <laughs> yeah i would say there are there are two things um first is checking what is written on the cv and today there are um uh online uh tools to assist you and the big credit reference agencies like experian they have uh databases which can help and you can check degree qualifications and, and professional qualifications and so on. But the biggest area where we dug were in the gaps. And the most interesting things we always found was not what was put down on the CV, it was what was left out of the CV. Mm. And, and the gaps and the extras where we added value when we were checking CVs for our clients. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, when I, when I was dealing with Office Angels, I, I worked on the temps desk and we couldn't have a gap of more than, well, we weren't allowed to have any gaps of more than three months. Yeah. What had happened, exactly what people were doing. So that was a few years ago, as a decade ago. So, yeah, it's much, much better now. But it does uh, cause issues for contractors because there's that slight disbelief. Most People, you know, the thing is, is that there are, you can often see discrepancies between people's LinkedIn profile, for instance, and their CV. Yeah. Yes. You know, a month here or a month there, or sure. that they're actually on the course, they haven't finished the course, things like that. But that's what takes an expert, or that's where you have to be, if you're, if you're experienced, you'll pick those out for a start. And, and you've hit on something there that social media now is... Um... Well, it's a double-edged sword, and I remember telling uh, my daughter when she was starting out on her professional career, for mm. goodness sake, clean up all your social media, because yeah. you, you can trip yourself up, it can yeah. be one phrase, one photograph, and it spoils yeah. the whole process, but it does make checking and validating CVs much, much easier. I still think there is no 
we've we've spoken Derek on the uh, on the show many times. There is still no substitute for uh, never assume and picking up the telephone to previous employers, picking up the telephone Absolutely. to the previous head of department and talking. And that brings out an all sorts of information that you would never get on a CV. And I totally agree, Godfrey, because the thing is, if you write a reference request to many companies, they will not say anything, but you, they, they, have, they will clarify the dates and the title. People often exaggerate their title job title um but picking up the phone initially to say oh we'll be sending a reference what will you be able to confirm of this you know of this person and so on you can get so much more from a conversation and oh, it is yeah absolutely sarah but will they speak to you that's interesting isn't it will they speak to you people don't like some will. it's worth a try right okay some will some won't <laughs> two, two chances yes or no so why ignore one of the people the genuine <laughs> People who are genuine will know their bosses or their line managers and say, oh, they will speak to you. And they will speak because they'll have something positive to say about someone they will affirm. That's the thing. If someone's prepared to talk to you about Joe Smith, Sarah Bass. Yeah. It's because they have, they they feel that that's, you know, uh, they they, they want to. And they they want to help. They just want to. Sure. They want to help. Let's let's turn uh, for a minute just to killer questions. So uh, yeah. you must have some fantastic questions. And I'm sure people on this uh, call also have some fantastic questions. So anyone wants to put a killer question into the chat box, that would be great. But uh, what are yours, uh, Sarah? And you oh. did have some Elon Musk ones as well, didn't you? <laughs> Killer questions. I, I, I'm not that evil, I don't think. I, I have questions. I think my main questions as a recruiter, I my what I what I do is I, you know, I'm of service to people. When I was in Office Angels with candidates, um, I'm not grilling them. I'm finding out what they need. They're my customer. You know, I'm finding out what what um, is important to them. So it's not so much killer questions. It's asking them something and then listening and getting them to talk because they'll tell you right so tell us about your last role oh well I had to get in at half past eight and and that meant I had to run around and drop the children and uh, we didn't get a pay rise for two years and and I never got my promotion in those conversations you can pick out straight away (laughs) what a candidate is going to say yes what they want so there's that but killer questions I think that when somebody answers something, if you say to them, could you tell me a little bit more about that? If you dig a little bit more and ask for a bit of follow up, then you can find out a lot more on on how. We used to have people who did typing, say, for instance, or, or were secretaries. Now, did they just do typing? Or were they really diary managing? traveling organizing supervising someone um when they were typing was it confidential work was it just copy typing or was it confidential work was it specific work you could dig a little bit deeper because you have generalist terms and then you can find out more about how much um uh, uh, responsibility someone had how it you know how much depth they had to their role 
So not so much killer questions, but extra questions all the time, I think, mm. is the way to go. Um, what do you like doing when you're not working is my oh. killer question. Really? Okay. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Mine... If somebody says to me, I like going out disco dancing on Sunday night. Mm. That doesn't mean to say they'll be in on a Monday morning. That's a pretty stupid. <laughs> that's a pretty stupid answer, isn't it? Anyway, uh, but uh, it's happened. My favourite question was, why should I employ you? Um, or on a scale of naught to ten, how much do you want this job? Because you got some surprising answers to that, um, and I'm wondering what other people's uh, are as well. Um, you you told me that Elon Musk's questions were. Uh, Tell me the story of your life and the decisions you made along the way and why you made them. That's like half an hour's answer, really, isn't it? And we'll drag out. Because he's asked the question. He's getting them to talk. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's all about uh, listening and digging. But and the question them... he asked, he said, he said, tell me about the problem. When, if you've got somebody you ask them about their work, <laughs> the best way to predict if they're going to be able to do your job is that they show examples of what they've done previously and how they've worked things out and what they've done. Sure. That's the best indicator of whether they're going to be able to do it in the future. And people will say they've done things or can do things or they have these abilities or these experiences. But unless you dig a bit, and if you ask someone what was your biggest problem, what was the biggest challenge you had and how did you solve it? <laughs> if they don't go into very much detail, mm. Mm. Did they, so if somebody says they've done a they've they they were a project manager, did they own that project or were they on a team of people who all had a little bit of it? Oh uh, yeah, I see, I see. We've so if you say what was your biggest challenge, that's what he does. So what he asks that question, and then those people who really had a really serious problem will know every single detail of how they solved it. Hmm. And if they weren't really that wasn't really them taking it on board. They won't be able to answer too much detail. They'll brush over it. Sure. So we've got, few, we've got a few questions in the um, in the chat box. I'll fire a few away before we stop Thank the you. and ask you to stay on. Um, John wants to Thank know, you. do you have an industry niche or do you cover all industries? That was something that was fascinating me. You can't be everything to everybody, can you? Um, no, you can't. But you can't... Um, you can't be everything to every, anybody, but I would say any reason, everything's evolved, hasn't it? So <laughs> a data entry person has evolved into data analysts, project managers, um, just terminologies changed, but anybody with a, um, a, a mid to senior level, I can work within an office type environment. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've um, recruited for specialist roles and certain sectors you've just got to learn learn that particular terminology and you then you just get on with it but sure. yeah sure if it, it was a nuclear it. scientist i think i'd think twice <laughs> <laughs> um i'm jumping around in the chat box because there's some interesting uh comments uh, carl says in the u.s um He's not allowed to talk to previous employers. If you say something unflattering, you're open to a lawsuit, even if everything is actually true. Gee whiz. Yeah, I can understand that. We have very clear outlines for verbal and written referencing. Right. Um, you just got to be very careful. But I hear what you're saying, Carl. That, that could probably end up happening here. 
you care a bit more, bit more less litig litigious. Yeah. In there yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Luckily, luckily we are, but I think it's getting, uh, <laughs> I think it's getting worse, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, Nigel asked a question. If you can answer this in a minute, I'll let you answer it. If you can't, okay. then just say so. What's your opinion on using ATS to sift CVs? I have no idea what ATS is. I don't ATS, know what... Applicant Tracking System, Derek. Right. Okay. Um, I've heard recently that there is a large communications firm who happened to have somebody apply that the, one of the high-level people knew the family. He didn't get through. And he was like, why didn't he get through? I know he's got this. I know, I know him personally. They're, they, they're necessary for large volume. Um, they're ruthless. And what they do is pick out keywords. Right. So if you if you if you've got an applicant tracking system, they are basically scanning through CVs and just picking out the people that have either the terms or the words that match. So they have for, for, for organizations, for instance, you know, not naming names, but say a big um, uh, distribution company that has thousands of employees, probably necessary, but they will probably miss. Uh, I can pretty much look through a CV and probably within a minute. I'm not dealing with thousands, but I'm dealing with hundreds a day often. So they have their place, but I I, I think um, if you're at that stage, then recruitment's a whole different ball game, to be quite honest. So I, I would generally get an expert eye over them and then, you know, do a sift, do a first sift and sometimes give people the benefit of the doubt and put them through and see how they get on. You'll be surprised every time. People on paper are never the same when they're in person. Mm. It never cease to amaze, amaze me how different a CV is to the person. Don't assume anything. Yeah, There's yeah. some real talent. Um talented people whose CV might not just be the best so and I tell candidates your CV should be a draft every job you go through go for you should re-look at your CV and adapt it for the job that you're going for if you're not if you're not doing that you're doing yourself a disservice mm. and how, how, how the one CV is mm. now clearly the CV needs to lack needs to um match up with LinkedIn, doesn't it? Because uh, I was told yeah. years ago that LinkedIn was my CV in, as, as, you know, as uh, working yeah. itself. But yeah. uh, people can't be writing CVs all the time or they'll never never do any work, will they? That's the, that's the only thing. No, but you get a clear... I mean, there are experts in CVs. I rewrite CVs, as it were, all the time. Sure. But as long as you've got a clear draft copy that's accurate, you know, precise um true then then from that you can just amend things some people might say i use word excel and powerpoint great some people might just say i use ms office suite and not name them well as somebody might be looking for great excel don't need the other two if you don't write excel in your cv you might be overlooked mm. you've got to be very precise often um, but get a draft and then work from that but I've seen CVs of people who've put, as part of their skills, attention to detail. And what they've done is they've had a CV of different jobs and they've just added the latest job. And that's all they've done to their CV. It's in different fonts. Yeah. 
oh, are different yeah. sizes. So the whole CV is, you know, to the current oh, day, it's Calibra Aerial 12. And you're like, have you just added your last job onto your CV every time? I think you re need to rewrite this before it gets put to a hiring manager because it's going to be a no otherwise, you know. Finally, finally, Sarah, you seem to be a very charming person. You ask questions. You're a nice person. How do you get rid of the people that are wasting your time? Oh, nobody's wasting time. They're doing what they do. Everyone's doing their best in their own way. I think candidate management, you know, treat people as you'd like to be treated with courtesy. Um, and, um, yeah, just, no, it's not personal. You know, everybody is, is in a very weird bubble but that's my way getting rid of people is not kind of my way um people leave of their own accord as it were no, um, saying no to people this is the thing with businesses the journey saying no to candidates who haven't got a job because let's be real it's a, it's it's a terrible it's a little bit like an audition or something isn't it you've got three or four candidates and only one's going to get the job but if people have been on, have been treated properly and been on a journey, you never have enough interviews. I don't, I've never had enough interviews. Um, if they've got something from it and it's given them some experience and they've been on a decent journey and you haven't wasted their time, then when you say no to them, as long as you can show that, that, that they are a good candidate and treat them properly, then they will go away positive. I, I like candidates to even when it's a no, that they know they're going to get a job soon. And I actually ask them to tell me when they've got a job. <laughs> and they do. Brilliant, brilliant. And then so we celebrate, we, yeah. We've um, almost come to the end of the session. Uh, will you stay and answer some questions that are in the chat box? But uh, one yeah, last tip, one last tip for anyone watching this on YouTube or listening to this on the uh, Negotiators podcast for 2023. Uh, what do they need to do? What do they, if they want to speak to me, yeah. Um, Sarah Bass on LinkedIn, Sarah at oraculum.co.uk. I'll put it in the chat. Um, just phone me, email me, message me. What's I'll be happy number? to speak to you. What's your phone number? Um, 01483 616 516. Okay. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being frank and honest. You sound a very nice person. I think some of us on here might be a bit tougher with some of those candidates, but uh, that, well, I'm tough. That's <laughs> personality. Um, can I ask everybody uh, from Monday Night Live to give Sarah the usual boat round of applause, please, and vote uh, of thanks, uh, Sarah. That was absolutely thank fantastic. you very much. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. I look forward to it.